This podcast does not constitute financial or investment advice. It is for educational, general information and entertainment purposes only. Please consult with your own financial advisor before making any financial decisions. I think being able to manage money is again very important. I often like to say that a man is not a plan. So you have to be able to understand your own money whether you're in a relationship or not whether you have a partner or not. You need to know what comes in and what goes out and that's all about the numbers. So that's fundamental. You need the mathematics for that and you need to be able to add and subtract at the very basic level. You're listening to Banking on Girls, the podcast that explores the importance of financial literacy for girls and young women. And I'm your host, Marina Batnuala. Join me on this journey to uncover insights and inspiration. Hi, everyone. Today, I am welcoming my longtime family friend and a phenomenal role model for girls and young women around the world, Dr. Marlene Kanga. Marlene lives in Sydney, Australia, and is an outstanding leader and engineer. She was the second female president of the World Federation of Engineering Organizations, the WFEO, from 2017 to 2019. And in that capacity, she represented over 30 million engineers around the world. So as an industry leader, she holds non-executive director positions on boards in Australia, including the Sydney Water Corporation and Air Services Australia. Marlene is also the co-chair of Elevate, an Australian government program to increase the participation of women in STEM. She was named the 2018 Engineers Australia National Professional Engineer of the Year and has been frequently listed as one of the top engineers in Australia. Most recently, Marlene was included in the Queen's Birthday Honours list in June 2022, when she was made an Officer of the Order of Australia, one of Australia's highest honours, for distinguished service to engineering as a global leader and role model to women. Marlene, welcome. It's so great to speak with you today. Thank you, Marina. It's great to be here and thank you for the opportunity. So Marlene, you have so many accomplishments in so many areas that I could have spent this entire episode just listing out all your accomplishments. So we're going to focus on just a few of these today. You serve in a number of leadership positions and on boards of large organizations, but notably you were elected as the second ever woman president of the World Federation of Engineering Organizations. That represented 100 engineering institutions and more than 30 million engineers all around the world. I know you were traveling constantly during that time, but as president, what were some of your main aspirations and accomplishments? I think my great legacy and my accomplishment is to get the member states of UNESCO to declare 4th March of every year as an international day for engineering. It is called World Engineering Day for Sustainable Development. It was an impossible task. I got 40 nations from every continent to support the proposal, and it was passed unanimously. And I was proud to declare that on the 20th of November, 2019, at the World Engineers Convention in my home country in Melbourne, Australia. Now, this project was very important because it was an opportunity to talk about engineering and its impact on every single person every day. 
as engineers, we work on the technical aspects of engineering, but we don't talk enough about how important engineering is in our lives. Every single moment, we're using products, we're living in houses built by engineers, and we're using technology like with this podcast, which has been developed by engineers. Every single thing is engineered outside of nature. And my goal as president of the World Federation of Engineering Organizations was to create that narrative. So I first started with linking engineering with the UN Sustainable Development Goals. So these were declared in 2015 and provide an integrated approach to development, looking at the goals for people, such as better health, alleviating poverty, and so on, and education. The goals for the planet, a better environment, looking after our biodiversity, our oceans, our earth, and developing sustainable cities. All this contributing, of course, to peace, prosperity, and, you know, a better quality of life. And my narrative was that every one of those 17 sustainable development goals are advanced through engineering. This message has resonated around the world, and many other engineering institutions have taken this up and are talking about it. It gives engineers a chance to talk about engineering in a non-technical way, and the community gets it. It's a great way to communicate, especially, I think, to women and girls. Because if you ask women engineers why they became engineers, they invariably say to make a difference. And so this narrative connecting engineering with the sustainable development goals enables that narrative. And my mantra is, if you want to change the world, become an engineer. I love that, Marlene. And I think having a day that represents that around the world, it it takes it right out of the technical realm and brings it into the realm of society where where it will touch a lot of goals that, that maybe it never did before. Yes, it's fantastic. In 2022, we reached 56 million on social media and we had an online 24-hour event that had more than 30,000 views in that 24 hours and the views continued a few thousand a week for the nine months from March 22 to December 22. It was it made it the largest engineering event ever. But phenomenally, more than 80% of those who viewed and participated were aged less than 35 years and 30% were women and girls. And many women, in fact, took the opportunity to post themselves on social media doing engineering work and so on. It was it was great fun. Women from Asia and Africa and South America posting in their own language. It, uh, you know, it was amazing. And we are planning, of course, 4th March 2023 is coming up very soon. And we're running that social media campaign again and a 24-hour live event. So everyone can participate. This is a day for everyone. No one owns it. And uh, the social media kit can be downloaded and used in whatever way you think is appropriate to celebrate engineering and its impact. Fantastic. So Marlene, you've become an important role model for girls and young women. What do you think is important for girls to know about aspiring to leadership positions? 
Well, leadership positions comes after a long period of development, I think. You don't suddenly have a, a fast escalator to the top. So it's it's a bit of a hard slog. I think having a sense of vision and purpose is important. But also, it's very important for everyone to find what they love to do. I think if you enjoy what you're doing, and you bring a passion and a sense of purpose to it, then everything is possible. All the difficulties that you face can be overcome. They just fall away because you're so driven by that sense of purpose. And then that leads to leadership positions. In my case, I didn't specifically aspire to leadership as such. I was looking for the outcome. It was the outcome that was important. And for good leaders, leaders grow leaders behind them. They encourage, mentor, and support others to come up to leadership positions, and they move on. And if the outcome is important, I think that's the great legacy that they can leave behind. Yeah. Now, tell us about your path to becoming an engineer. You were a young girl growing up in India at that time. Do you think you instinctively loved math and science or do you think your parents encouraged you and that was that was a big part of it? And I ask this question because I think it's really important for parents and young women and young girls to sort of understand other people's paths. Yes, I think that's a great question. I was good at mathematics and science. My father was an engineer and he encouraged me to think from first principles, something that has stayed with me for the rest of my life and which I've also passed on to my children. I think it's a great thinking process. And so, yes, I did love mathematics. I was always fascinated by mathematics and how the mathematics is the backbone or framework, if you like, of what makes things work in the world. I went to the Royal Academy of Engineering, Prince Philip House in London a few years ago. And in the foyer, they had framed pictures of 20 equations that changed the world. I was absolutely thrilled to see that because, yes, mathematics has changed our world. And it may seem abstract, but actually it explains how our world works. And I think we need to encourage women and girls to look beyond the numbers and the symbols as to what mathematics actually means and how it contributes to our life. So yes, it was mathematics and science, but the other aspect that made me interested in engineering was impact. My father was one of India's first engineers to graduate just at the time of independence. And so he quickly reached positions of leadership, driving infrastructure projects across the country, important projects such as the electrification of the west coast of India, building roads and airports and so on. And he took me along often when he was checking things out. I remember once he had electrified an airport and the minister was coming the next day to open it. But he took me the night before testing it out, took me to the control tower and said, you can turn the lights on. And I did. And that was a huge wow factor for me. And I saw firsthand the impact that engineering has on the lives of people in the villages of India where they had, for the first time, electricity and they could study and read after dark or they had fresh water coming from their taps. 
we take this for granted in the developed world, but this has a huge impact, especially for women and girls. So they don't have to carry water from wells and they're freed up to do other things and to pursue other pleasures, if you like, and enjoyment. So engineering really is a great enabler. And that's what I wanted to do. And that's why I chose engineering. Your dad always wanted you to do the highest level of maths, right? He he never really settled for doing what you could do at school. He always took you further and encouraged you. Yes, he did. And you know, he always felt, you know, that there was something else that was beyond. And I think from him, I got this fascination for mathematics. So I uh, I went to an all-girls school, and they actually didn't teach advanced mathematics. So I enrolled in a correspondence course from the UK to study mathematics. And my father started me off, but then he, he vanished uh, on another one of his projects and left me alone uh, to, to deal with higher mathematics. And I actually, I can't believe I did it, but I sort of almost self-taught, you know, used through that correspondence course, self-taught calculus and trigonometry and all the higher mathematics that was involved. The school was very worried about me and they thought, you know, I would bomb out in my high school certificate examinations. So they sent me to the nearby boys' school to do a test, and I passed with flying colors. So they left me alone, but they eventually found me a teacher for the last six months of my school's career so that, you know, she tutored me as well, and I ended up ducks of the school. So it was, it all worked out in the end. (laughs) Right. And for those outside of the UK system or Australia, Ducks is is the top student. So Marlene, you're an engineer, you're interested in engineering, but in general, how important is mathematics for girls? What would you say to a young girl who tells you, well, she's not really into math? I think mathematics is absolutely vital in today's modern world, especially in an increasingly technological world. Mathematics is fundamental and vital. It is a great enabler So not only in technology, but in your everyday life, mathematics enables you to manage your money, to balance your budget, to understand how much you're earning and how much you're spending. But also, you know, in more advanced technologies like artificial intelligence, we need mathematics and we need more women to get into these fields because if they become too male dominated as they are at present, then there will be an inherent bias which will be to the detriment of women of the future. So for us today and for the future, we need women and girls to think about mathematics as being absolutely essential to life today and tomorrow. Yeah, that's a really important point. So let's just take a minute to talk about what would that inherent bias be as it relates to artificial intelligence in the world? Well, there's a famous little project that UNESCO did, which is called, uh, I'd blush if I could to answer that question. And that sentence came from a robot who was asked a particular question, which the machine, of course, couldn't blush. But it's interesting that a male probably had coded that robot to respond in that way. So males who dominate AI tend to have a certain view of women being docile, of being coy and shy and so on. And women are not like that. We are all 
capable. We are all logical and rational. And yes, some of us may blush, but not all of us. And I think that demonstrated the bias. And the bias is so tenuous and so threaded through AI that it's almost very difficult to find. And the only way to address that is for more women to get involved in AI. In a way, it's frightening and in a way, it's really enlightening in terms of what girls and women can, uh, what kind of impact they can have on the world. So Marlene, as an engineer, you're obviously proficient in mathematical concepts. Now let's talk a bit about money. How comfortable are you managing your own money? I think being able to manage money is, again, very important. I often like to say that a man is not a plan. So you have to be able to understand your own money, whether you're in a relationship or not, whether you have a partner or not. You need to know what comes in and what goes out. And that's all about the numbers. So that's fundamental. You need the mathematics for that. And you need to be able to add and subtract at the very basic level. I think being able to manage money is is empowerment. It's empowering to be able to be in control of what you do. And then it enables decisions like where you go on holiday, you know, where you want to travel, whether you want to change your career or live in a different city or country. Money is a great enabler and it provides a level of freedom that women never had, say, a hundred years ago. And if you watch some of the movies that show women, you know, in the, say, Pride and Prejudice era, those women were completely dependent on men and completely dependent on how they looked and talked and and so on. And all their skills were in terms of household skills, sewing and cooking and so on. We've come such a long way. And especially with the women's movement, we've come a long way. But this has been enabled by a kind of freedom that's been made possible when you have your own financial resources. So money management is very important for women. And very important for women at every age, I might add, including when you get older and when you retire and when perhaps your partner passes away. In Australia, we have the fastest rising cohort of homeless people are women aged over 50. And they're living in their cars, their relationships have broken down and they have no money and very little savings for their future This is a huge tragedy for us in Australia, and it's because these women have never learned to manage their own money. That's incredible. That it's it's hard to hear that about Australia, and I'm sure it's not the only country that's facing those kind of uh, demographic issues. Yeah, it's very tough. You know, family violence is is a big issue in Australia. In the first two weeks of this year alone, in 2023, we've had two murders where a partner has murdered a woman. And it's a shocking statistic. And, you know, domestic violence is a terrible tragedy. But a lot of women are just trying to escape just getting away and living in their cars with rising interest rates. Also, uh, you know, they can't find a place to rent because the cost of housing is so high. And these women, if they had been counseled earlier in their lives, they probably would not be where they are today. So Marlene, what are some of the most important money lessons you have learned in your life? Well, I've learned on the go. I've been quite a careful 
and frugal person, I think the first time that I really started to manage money was when I left home to go to university, I had to live on campus. And I was, I had a small scholarship, which I had to use to pay for my fees and my accommodation and other costs. And I managed that very carefully. And after five years at university, actually saved up the huge sum of 7,000 rupees, which is about $150. But, But I managed it carefully. I was also the secretary of what we call the local women's mess. So we had a women's hostel, which had just 50 rooms occupied by only 20 girls. There were more than 2,000 male students at this university, Engineering University, the Indian Institute of Technology, Mumbai, which is one of India's leading engineering schools. Most of the women were postgraduates. There were about five undergraduates. I was one of them. And we had to organize the facilities for the meals and pay for them through, a you know, create a budget and the girls then contributed to the cost. I complained so much about the costs in my first year that they made me secretary of this mess. The word (laughs) mess comes from, you know, like it's the dining room. It's an English uh, word. Uh, So I was the secretary, you know, I was just like 17 years old. And I had to deal with the staff who spoke an Indian language that I didn't know. And it was all vegetarian, which was new to me. And I saw vegetables that I hadn't seen in my life. But I learned actually to budget. I would hand out the food so to minimize wastage and reduce costs. And I must have done a good job because I remained secretary for the rest of my time in that hostel. But importantly, I also learned my leadership skills there. So I started off with command and control and making rules about who could have sugar and who, how many eggs and whatnot (laughs) (laughs) to, uh, to, uh, you know, a more collaborative approach. I have a very close friend who kept some of the notices that I would stick up on the notice board and she sends them to me occasionally. And I always, sometimes I'm quite shocked at how I tried to control people, but it was a great leadership lesson for me. And I think that's where I found my voice. That's where I learned to lead. Right. And so that experience at a younger age really set you up for your future. Yes, I went from, you know, a shy young girl, I went to an all girls school to this environment that was so male dominated, it was a terrible shock. And, you know, as I said, strange foods and, you know, the whole culture was very different. Although I was still in the city of Mumbai, it was culturally very, very different. And in some senses, quite hostile as well. And so I learned to navigate that. And it was also my first experience of discrimination and bias. I had to prove myself that I was serious. I'd come there for a serious purpose to study and and not just have a good time. And I did prove it. And, you know, I ended up sort of being at the top of my class at the university as well. Well, phenomenal. Is there anything you know now that you wish you had learned when you were younger when it comes to money and finances? Yes. As I said, I learned on the go. So I really didn't have any formal understanding of how to manage money. It was just in and out for a long time. And uh, it was really when I started working in Australia that, you know, through work colleagues, I came to understand a little bit of how to do things better with money. I discovered, for example, through a work colleague that 
there was something called an offset account where people with a mortgage, if you had an offset, you could park money in there and it would offset the interest on the mortgage. And this was more effective than putting your money in a bank deposit, for example, because the interest rate on loans is higher than that on a deposit. And I discovered that the mortgage started to decline very quickly as I parked more and more money. So I was completely hooked on that. I, 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 it was like a mission <laughs> to pay off my mortgage as fast as possible. I've always avoided debt and you know paid off my credit cards on time. I learned financial management on the go and for many of my work colleagues. And one of the most important and significant of these, Marina, was your dad, who was a work colleague of mine. And also, of course, uh, you know, we became good family friends. After a few years of working at that company, I left to start my family. And I also started my own engineering consulting business to give me flexibility, really, to manage my children. Because in those days, it was very difficult to get childcare and flexible working hours in engineering companies. And when I started, your father advised me to set up my own little pension fund and to put aside some money for my retirement. As a young person, of course, retirement was a long way away from my thoughts, but I respected him and I took his advice and set up my own fund. And he also helped me, you know, with the trustee that was required, giving me the one that he'd used for himself for his own company. So I started to put in small amounts of money. I wasn't earning very much initially and and slowly building it up. Meanwhile, my husband had a high-powered job, was traveling the world, and he had a pension scheme that's called a defined benefit scheme. The basis of this is that it guarantees to pay a pension equivalent to the average of the person's last three years salary before retirement, which of course is 40 years into the future. And this fund therefore paid a very low investment return of less than 2% because after all, the returns were guaranteed with a defined benefit. We thought that was a very good deal, but it turned out that it wasn't because the company that he worked for got taken over and the new owners simply retrenched everyone who was on a defined benefit scheme because that was a huge outstanding liability for the company and they didn't want that. And many private sector companies have got rid of the defined benefit scheme because of that reason. And the governments also cut back on that kind of scheme. But for us, it was devastating because when my husband was retrenched, the lump sum that he got out of all the contributions that he had made over more than 20 years was worth less than the small amounts that I'd been putting away over the same time. And I had been investing it carefully and had a small, a reasonable level of return. It was a big lesson for both of us. And we learned from it and, and we moved forward. And this little pension fund is now one of our most important assets. We learned the hard way, if you like, and we've been through all the ups and downs of the financial cycles. I remember 
the crash of 1987, we were away outside Australia on holiday and we were helpless as we watched the markets fall on that fateful day. But we hung on and the markets recovered and we've lived through the GST of 2008 and also, of course, the ups and downs through COVID. And we know that the markets come back again. So we've developed that kind of resilience and don't panic when when the markets fall. But we are really no expert. I do all the paperwork and we put in money into what's called blue chip stocks, you know, uh, sort of the big companies. And we just buy and hold. My husband always jokes that we never sell. We just put in. And it's just the factor of compound interest. It's just time where it's kept compounding and has grown into a big asset. So yeah, money management isn't really that hard. You know, I'm no expert in all the esoteric matters, you know, the complex financial instruments that are out there in the market. I just stay away from them. If I don't understand it, I don't go into it. And it's also important to understand money matters as a non-executive director, as a member of, of boards, because it's a board a director's responsibility to sign off on the accounts. So understanding the balance sheets, the cash flows, the profit and loss statement is very important, but it's not that hard. And once you get to, uh, to get your teeth into it, it all makes a lot of sense. And I have to say that numbers in finance are far easier than the numbers in engineering. Right. And so Marlene, I love your perspective that, you know, you learned over time, you don't have to know this stuff from the beginning, you can learn, you will make some mistakes. But generally, the younger you save, even small amounts, it has a, a greater impact on your life. So the sooner you can start becoming comfortable and familiar with things like saving, budgeting, learning about debt, the better off you'll be in your life. Yeah, exactly. And I think that just the act of putting aside, you know, having your own bank account, putting aside money and understanding what is income, what is debt, that is part of the learning. You learn by doing. And I think that's very important. And when you're young, you make a few mistakes, but it really doesn't matter. It might seem devastating to you at the time, but life is long and the markets are very forgiving. So, you know, you, you can get up and keep going and you will survive. And that's how you learn. That's the best way to learn, in fact. So to wrap up today's conversation, what advice do you have for parents raising girls in today's world? Well, I think it's very important for girls to understand that they have an important place in this world. They have a lot to contribute and they need to have the necessary tools, if you like. I think education is very important. I'm, of course, biased, but I say that understanding science, technology, and mathematics is vital. And then, of course, being able to manage money and making a small start is key to developing responsibility. Because at the end of the day, it's all about empowerment. We need to empower our girls to be self-reliant and self-sufficient and to understand that, yes, they can make a better world. Dr. Marlene Kanga, thank you so much. Thank you for listening to the Banking on Goals podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please take a moment to rate the podcast and be sure to hit subscribe or follow so you can receive notifications of new episodes. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and at bankingongoals.com. 